All right. Um, I'd actually thought I had something else to share today, but the Lord, um, I think he woke me up. I had a scripture on my spirit. And he didn't, he didn't like quote me chapter and verse, but as soon as I woke up yesterday morning, he just said, follow me. Actually, I think he said the other variation, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I knew I heard that phrase distinctly, so I knew as soon as I heard that, I needed to change the sermon for this morning. So the passage that it comes from is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. But here's the thing. I knew without a shadow of doubt as soon as I woke up and I heard that phrase that the Lord wanted me to preach on this this morning. But as we were conversing this morning and before we left the house and we always pray before I leave the house, Pam was talking and she was sharing certain things and she literally said that same exact phrase as she was concluding what she was saying, even though I didn't tell her anything about what had happened with me. So I know without a shadow of doubt that I am right where the Lord wants us to be today, to, that we be followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. And um, I think a lot of times we may define things a certain way, but we have to take a measurement and evaluation and an inventory of ourselves from time to time to see are we truly following him at the level that we think we are. And I think really, especially in the American church and in this area, I, I preached years ago at a church, Beauty for Ashes, with um, Apostle Shirley Mitchell, and actually said there's a strong man over this region where the church is dumbed down, the church is apathetic, and you can see it all the time. You know, the, 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 apost- you know the, the apathy within the church, and we try to envision ourselves as all being energetic and this and that. But my question today is, are we all truly, genuinely going at 100%? Are we really giving it at all? Because even if I evaluate the things that I see in the body of Christ and the statements that people make and the things that I see, and even we're not exempt here at Eagle Eye Ministries, even the stuff that I see here, it's not 100%. I could tell you, like, if I even measure up against how I serve Pastor Grant, who I got s- saved under, and, and Pastor Khan, and Pastor, um, and, and, well, Apostle Lester, and then Pastor McKenna at um, Lighthouse Tabernacle, it, it's not at the same level of fervency. It's just not. I mean, I was there when the church was open. I was there before the church was open. Anything they needed, anything envisioned, I was there to lend my hand to them. And I can't say that I see the same thing here, you know. So how much are we really following? It's, and it's not about a works mentality. It's about a sense of fervency and whether or not you can sense that it is there. And I don't sense it in the body of Christ across the board here in America. I don't sense it here on the East Coast. I don't sense it in this area, and I don't sense that here. I don't sense it. I don't see it, I don't feel it, and for the Lord to give me that on my spirit and then to have Pan repeat the same thing, I think it's a moment of urgency. And I really look at the church today as being in a situation that's similar to Israel in the wilderness where they were stuck in a rut, stuck in a continuous circle and cycle of things that they never could seem to get themselves out of. And you got to ask yourself, how would I continually remain in that same circle if God's word is true, unless there's something wrong? And that something wrong cannot be God. So therefore, it must be me, myself, and I. Amen? Something needs to change. Something needs to be different. And we got to look at what is the level of fervency that we all have. And I'm saying that from the head 
to the bottom, as they say. Amen. I never exempt myself from anything that I share. Um, so with no further ado, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. And it says, For though you have had 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech ye, be ye followers of me. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That you be glorified in us today, Lord. And even as you would place that word on my spirit as well as on Elder Pam's spirit, we ask you, Father, right now to speak into each one of our hearts and minds, Father. Hallelujah. In a way that we can truly perceive and accept and grasp. And Lord, let us not only get in our spirits what you're speaking, Father, but let us, hallelujah, discern how it fits us in terms of where we're positioned right now. Hallelujah. Let us be truthful, hallelujah, in our hearing, Lord, not just hearers audibly, but let us be hearers, Father, in spirit and in truth, fully taking in everything that you have spoken into our lives, Father, hallelujah, and what you would speak to us through this, Lord. Let us receive it by your spirit. I know sometimes, Father, we hear and we see and we, and we read certain things, and it doesn't sit quite well with us, Father, hallelujah, but even as your word says, we need to be off the milk and onto the meat of the word, Father, and none of us are fully grown in you, whether we're 20 years old, 40 years old, a hundred years old, Father, there's still something new that we can learn. There's still something new that we can do. Father, as long as we are here in this physical shell here on earth, there's some area in which we can grow. So we ask you right now, Father, to speak to us and show us those areas where maybe we become lackadaisical or we're going at 50% instead of 100%, Father. We ask you to speak to us by your spirit, and we thank and praise you, Father, for this. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see here Paul is speaking. He says, though you may have had 10,000 instructors, he's basically saying that not everyone that has instructed you is necessarily the same, and especially as we're in this time of season. You can get the Word of God on TV, on radio. You can get it on your phone, as a, on iTunes. You can get it all over the place. So it's easy to get the Word of God. But the thing that is different about Paul is that he identified himself as having a different relationship with them. He says, you may have had 10,000 people that spoke into your life, but not all of them have been a father to you. Somebody has taken you not only under the wing physically, but also somebody has a heart for you to be with you through thick and thin. It's not about another nut notch on the belt or having a bigger church. It's about somebody that truly cares about you enough to invest their life into you through thick and thin and to be available to mentor you. He said this is the kind of relationship that he has had for those people at this time. And then he takes a step further and says, for in Christ Jesus have I begotten you? I have, not, I have not begotten you through fresh flesh and blood. My relationship is not through DNA and fleshly things. It's not through a bloodline. But he says, I have got begotten you through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And that word in is talking about in relation to, but it also talks about in the direction of. So he says, when I birthed you, I didn't birth you so that you could follow Paul's agenda. 
And you could be like me in the flesh. You don't necessarily need to speak the same way or conduct yourself the same way or identify yourself with me. He said, I've begotten you in, hallelujah, the Spirit of God, and I'm pointing you in the direction of Jesus Christ so you would adapt to his principles that you see in me. Amen? Because Paul knew he was not perfect. Paul was aggressive. Paul could be rough around the edges. Paul was very vocal. So he said, I've begotten you, but I'm pointing you into the direction of Christ. So as much as I can, I'm trying to exemplify the character of Christ and show you how to live according to him. But don't make yourself an exact duplicate of me. Make yourself an exact duplicate of Christ through the things that you see in me that are operating in conjunction with the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And that word begotten means to be procreated or regenerated. He's basically saying that I am generating not a bunch of Pauls walking around, but I'm trying to generate a bunch of little Jesuses, amen, that walk with the love, the care, the concern, the compassion of Jesus Christ, amen. So I want you to exemplify his characteristics and to pattern yourself after him in all the things that you do. And then finally, he says, I beseech you, be ye followers of me, imitators, mimics. <laughs> we see mimics over the years. Even little kids mimic each other. And unfortunately, a lot of times they're mimicking you in a way to make fun of you. But he's basically saying, I want you to imitate me or mimic me according to the characteristics that you see that are consistent with the character of Jesus Christ. And that's why I said when the Lord gave me that word yesterday that I don't necessarily feel that everybody in the body of Christ today is necessary followers. Because if we see Jesus Christ only serving when, he was, when it was convenient to him, do we see Jesus Christ coming late? Did we see Jesus doing something where his heart wasn't fully in it? Did we see Jesus doing something if the pastor was present and he was approving of me? No, we didn't see all these things. Paul did everything he did in the body of Christ at 100% energy level. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, serving Father God here in the face of this earth, did everything at 100% energy level. A lot of people try to tell you this day and age, oh, I gave it 110%. No, you didn't. Mathematically impossible. You could give 100%. Now, if you want to compare what you did now to last year, you might say the level of productivity was at a rate of 110%, but you can't give at the time and season 100%, 110%. You can only give 100% of your all. But are we giving 100% to God? Are we truly? I really don't think so. I really don't feel that in my heart of hearts. So Paul was basically telling the people, be you a follower of me in terms of everything that you're seeing me do. And there's a lot of things. As I was praying about this, the Lord's saying that the, the harvest is out there. It's ripe, but the laborers are few. There's a lot of things that I know personally, and I know it's not just me, but I know a lot of pastors across the United States have envisioned different things. And it seems like we're only ready to jump and go into a rally cry mode when something major occurs. You look at the situation with Trayvon Martin. Everybody was outraged. It filled the Internet. Facebook was filled. The TV was filled. Here we are, what, two weeks later? So it's all about emotionalism. But if we're truly followers at 100%, really energetic about it, 
It's not about what is going on a certain day, something happening or a situation occurring or a traumatic experience. No, you're at 100% fervency all the time through thick and thin, through ups and downs, through bad times as well as good times. See, 100% is just something that was in you that's a fire that is raging within you that gives you a passion that no matter how things look, I'm going to give it my all anyway. And like I said, I truly don't sense that. And I truly believe that's why God placed it upon my heart. So Paul was making it clear that everyone needs to take an inventory of themselves. And once again, not according to his flesh and how he conducts himself, but according to the Holy Spirit, evaluate themselves and say, am I adapting to the principles and the characteristics that I see in those who are grooming me and gleaning me in the things of God? Now, I was looking at this, and I said, we've quoted this phrase a lot of times. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. But if we're really taking the time to consider what it really means, what does he mean by imitate me as I imitate Christ? We think about, okay, well, Jesus walked in love. Paul walked in love. I walk in love. We see that Jesus had compassion, Paul had compassion, I'll have compassion. But can we truly say we understand everything that he means unless we truly go into a full examination of the actual attributes that he was talking about? So as I was praying about this, the Lord took me to Acts chapter 20, and you can read the whole thing, um, I guess starting around verse 19 to the end, and you'll see detailed the types of characteristics that Paul was talking about. Now, as I said, I'm not going to read that entire passage top to bottom, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it pretty much verse by verse and say this verse relates to this characteristics, and we're going to keep going on and on. Amen? Hallelujah. So the first one we're going to look at is Acts chapter 20, verse 19. Acts chapter 20. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. So we see here that Paul not only had a servant's heart, but it says that he was doing it with a sense of humility. So the first characteristics that we could say that Paul walked in that were in complete union with Jesus Christ is that he walked in humility. And we might say that that is an easy thing, but if you really look at the background of Paul, he was a Roman citizen. He was trained under Gamaliel, who was a doctor, not a teacher, (laughs) not an administrator, not a scholar. Gamaliel was literally a doctor of the law, And Paul was trained under him. And the thing that really makes it impressive is that at one point, after Paul was converted from Saul to Paul, he actually disputed with Gamaliel and was able to shut him up. And then later on, Gamaliel, when they're looking at the early church and the Christians, and they say, let's all wipe them out, Gamaliel's like, you know what? If this thing is not of God, it will come to naught. But he said, if it is of God and we mess with them, we need to be careful about what we're touching because we might be offending God himself. So Gamaliel was wise enough to say, we need to know whether or not to back off here. Be careful. And Paul, who was trained by him, actually went head to head with him later 
and was able to shut up his arguments. So Paul was a bad boy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Very intelligent. Had the citizenship. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Credentials, and yet Paul talked about serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Are we walking around on a daily basis with the same type of humility? One thing that truly troubles me in the body of Christ today, it seems like we serve God at 100% as it is convenient to us. Is that true humility? Are we truly giving God our 100% when, well, I'll go minister to those people if they're the kind of people I like, my cup of tea. Or I'll go to that place to minister when my schedule permits. Are we willing to get outside of our comfort zone? Are we willing to be embarrassed? Are we willing to be rebuffed or reproved as a result of going out to serve God? That's the true measure or not we are truly serving at the level of humility that Paul had. Amen? Hallelujah. And we're going to look at an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. It says, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. So here's Paul, the guy that had all the credentials, the citizenship. He was a member of the social club at the time and the, the think tanks and the religious orders. He had the Roman citizenship, so that if they tried to arrest him as he, they would a lot of the, the people that were out there, he said, I'm a Roman citizen. Can't touch this. But yet, Paul went from having that station or that status in life to be somebody that says, I am a fool now for Christ's sake. And it's one thing to be considered a fool. It's quite another thing to say you made a spectacle of yourself. That's like you are a public idiot, a public embarrassment where you are made a spectacle of. That means that everybody's looking at you, pointing their fingers, shaking their heads, or laughing, but yet... Paul said, I've gone from this elevated station in life now to a place where I've humbled myself so much in Christ that, if necessary, I'm willing to be publicly humiliated. Wow. That really comes against the nature of, uh, of the world today, where <laughs> on one side of the coin, people literally embarrass themselves all the time for the sake of fame and fortune, and it's worth it to them, but then on the other side of the coin, if you're getting somebody's personal space or you're stepping on their toes, that's where the pride kicks in and they don't want to have anybody make them lower themselves. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's look at some of the words in here. It, he said that he's become a fool for Christ's sake. That word fool means to be dull, stupid, as if, as if in shut up. So it's one thing to be stupid. It's quite another thing to be stupid. And actually, you may not think you're stupid, but you're in a conversation with somebody, and you're debating back and forth, and finally they come forth with something that shuts you up. <laughs> 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 
What, you got nothing to say? <laughs> I, saw, I saw a show, it was about a week ago, where these two women are going at it, and the one woman had on an outfit, and they had a relationship where they kind of go back and forth and kind of play the dozens with each other. So the one usually got the better of the other one and shut her up, or she would walk away silently, or she would walk away crying. In this one situation, they're going back and forth, and the woman said something about her outfit. She had uh, a, a top on, and she said, oh, you with your, um, ple- your pleather top, you look like somebody from The Incredibles, you know, the, the movie. She said, you with your pleather outfit. She said, all you need is a mask, and you could be in The Incredibles. And the woman, it must have hit her in the area where she lived and was uncomfortable. She got quiet. I was like, wow. She got shut up. She got silenced. So basically, Paul is saying that I have become a fool for Christ's sake, He's saying that it's like a situation in which I'm such a fool that I could be debating somebody and they shut me up, which is very embarrassing. Amen? Hallelujah. And then it, the final word is blockhead, <laughs> which I was surprised. They got blockhead in the Bible? <laughs> but in the, under, in the underlying Greek, the translation is stupid as if in shut up, fool, or blockhead. I was like, man, they're calling people blockheads thousands of years ago. This is not a new thing. I see a lot of blockheads out here nowadays, but I thought that was a new thing, but they were, blockheads have been around for thousands of years. Amen? <laughs> it's biblically noted. So Paul says, I went from being established, highly intelligent, to now being positioned as if I'm a blockhead. And then he goes on further. And he says, Despite all these things and being defamed, we still entreat. Through me being defamed, ridiculed, criticized, spoken about and betrayed, belittled, admonished, through these things, I still entreat. I still call people near, invite, and implore them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So in other words, despite how I'm being lowered in the sight of people, I still continue to plead with them to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. He goes further and he says, we are made as the filth of the world. This is a man that used to put out orders to get the new Christians killed before his conversion. He walked around in fine robes. He was highly respected. He was on councils. He was among the highest educated people, well-known. And just think about this. This guy not only could say we need, need to stop these Christians, but he could actually put out orders to have them killed, and people followed his instructions. So Paul was like a mafia don. He put a hit on you. But now he's saying, I am as if I am the refuge, the filth of this world. That's what that word filth means, the refuge. You're the trash of this world. And then he says we are as the off-scouring of all things. Off-scouring means something brushed all around, rubbed off scrapings, or here's a good one, scum. (laughs) I am as the scum of the earth for the cause of Jesus Christ. Talk about being humble. I'm sure all of us say, oh, I don't have a problem with walking in humility and submitting to somebody or letting somebody else go first in line or not having to get my point across. But it's a big shift in mentality to say, I can go from being humble to being the filth, the scum in front of the sight of those people. 
That really hurts your ego. And just because you're quiet doesn't mean you don't have ego. Amen? That's one of the things I've learned over the years. Sometimes you think, oh, that person's so quiet and unpretentious and unassuming. But touch certain areas and you'll see whether the true colors will come out. Amen? So this is what Paul was willing to do through his humility and having the heart of a servant. If we look in 2 Corinthians 11, we'll see something else about Paul. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 30, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered, sorry, suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings offing, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, <coughs> in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Wow, that was something. So, Paul is basically sharing here that not only has he humbled himself to the point that some people consider him the scum of the earth, <laughs> something to be scraped off your shoe, if you can imagine the sort of things that would have been on their shoes back then with all those animals around. He compared himself to those things, and we know uh, in the book of Philippians, he compared his life to dung. Everything before Christ, he said, was dung, cow manure. And now he says, I speak as a fool, as a minister for Christ, in terms of how some people see him. He says, I have worked more than most people. And he said, I've taken stripes above measure. He went from being somebody that was honored to so now somebody that is in prison more frequently than others. So from the perspective of some people, this was a good man. Every time we turn around, this guy's in jail again. So he became a jailbird <laughs> for Christ <laughs> with an arrest record and warrants. The same guy that used to send out orders to have people arrested and stoned was now the man that they were putting orders to get arrested. And he said, here's the thing. Not only did they capture me and throw me in jail, but sometimes they stoned me. God won't even let me die. They stoned me. I get back up to go preach and get stoned again another day. Amen. <laughs> I tried to travel. My ship got shipwrecked. So sometimes I had to swim <laughs> the shore. I mean, Paul had a rough life after he was under the unction of the Holy Spirit and serving Jesus Christ. And he says, in terms of what I did, I was surrounded by perils on every side. Perils when I was in a strange place. Perils when I was among my countrymen. Perils in the deep. Perils out in the wilderness of the forest. Everywhere he went, he was surrounded by a bunch of stuff that came against him to try to snuff out his life. But besides all these things, 
He says, if you want to evaluate how things are with you as opposed to me, you might be weak, but am I not weaker in the things that I had to deal with? <laughs> you might be offended. Have I not been burned with some of the things that people have done or said about me? But yet, through it all, I still continue to serve God faithfully. Amen? It's all worth it. And he says, as a matter of fact, in terms of all the infirmities that I endure, he said, not, I will not murmur and complain about them. Instead, I will glory in them. Thank you, Jesus. I was stoned today for your name. Amen? The next day, I was on a ship, shipwrecked, maybe hours from my destination. Who knows how he was shipwrecked? Was he close to shore so that he could swim? Or did he float out in the middle of a body of water for an hour or two, maybe a day? We don't know what could have occurred during these times. But yet in all these things, when he would get to the shore after that ship was wrecked, praise you, Jesus, I live another day to serve you. I thank you that you got me through the shipwreck. God, I was beaten. I was stoned. I was thrown in jail. He would come out of that jail. Thank you, Jesus. On to the next ministry assignment. And everything that he endured, no matter how hard it was, he still humbled himself to Jesus Christ on a call upon his life and says, I will not complain. I will glory in these things because I have the honor and privilege to serve the King of Heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, the next thing. Oh, before I saw a note here. Despite all the hardships he endured, he still refused to budge in his fervency, amen, in serving his fellow believers and promoting the gospel. And that's one of the things I see that is really lacking. You say one thing wrong to somebody and they're gone in today's world. I literally, we've literally had that happen here. Just offend somebody, bam, that's it. You don't see it anymore. Forget all the laboring you put in those people's lives. Forget it. Just like... One small thing. I mean, the church is so touchy, so sensitive, so sensitive. Amen? <laughs> you know, every time we changed church, it was because God told us our season had ended. We're not in that world anymore. You got somebody on a choir that I don't like, and I can't get that spot, I'm out of here. He preached something that doesn't sit right with me and how I want to live and my lifestyle. I'm out of here. We live in a church that is so fickle and superficial and, and, and really one step removed from the world in terms of the attributes. Really look at it. Amen? It, it just appalls me. It shocks me. You know, I was praying. I was really troubled and, and, and appalled and shocked. And it's really a stench to God himself. Some of the stuff we see in today's church, you know, and everybody, oh, we love you, God. We love you, God. But where's the humility to serve God despite it all? I'd be, I'd be yelled at in front of people as, as people coming. I remember at Lighthouse one time, I was yelled at by the pastors, people coming into the very Bible study I was going to cheat, teach. Amen? Because of a misunderstanding. Once I explained it, the pastor was like, oh, I apologize. But the thing, thing is, is people were walking in. I had to teach that class. People were literally walking past me, seeing me get yelled at. They probably like, what did he do? And he get yelled at, and now he walking in. Let's go to First Chronicles. Like, well, what did he just get screamed at about? <laughs> but see, the thing is, it's not so much about what was done. It's like how I handled it. It wasn't about me. I had a role to fulfill 
and I was going to fulfill that role. It didn't matter how I felt. Get over it. Amen? Because God had dictated that I would serve that man faithfully, whether it was good or bad, whether it was up or down, whether we were getting along or he was yelling in my face before I had to teach. I served him faithfully. Amen? I never had one pastor ever said, Brian Fox didn't give me 100%. Not once. I can go to any of those people nowadays. Well, not Pastor Graham because he's going to glory. But I can go to, I've only been involved with three churches as a member. But I can go to both of them now. Walk right back in. And they would be like, thank God you're back. Amen? Because of humility. And that's something that's so strange and foreign this day and age. Amen? And it's not about me, myself, and I. It's just like the state of the church right now. It's just so touchy, so fickle, so easy to like shift gears and go elsewhere and and I don't need this and I'll punish you. It's just this even a retaliatory spirit the Lord showed me that if I don't get what I want I'll make you pay pastor by this or by that. And I'm not saying here I'm saying it's just a spirit over the church as a whole. There's no submission. There's no humility. Amen? Hallelujah. Just stuff comes (laughs) with Amen. It's just the state and the mindset of the church today that you can eye a pastor, you know, somebody that God has stationed through the authority and the delegation process. You think Jesus ever always said stuff the right way and politely? He told his own mother. She came to him. Oh, we ain't got enough wine. Woman, what I got to do with you? Is this my time? But yet, just that mindset of I'm serving the most high. It's not about me, myself, and my feelings all the time. Amen? Hallelujah. We can't serve and go out there in the highways and the byways and fight the devil if we're so touchy, <laughs> so tentative. That's a joke. So sensitive to everything. <laughs> so despite the hardships, he says, I'm not going to let anything Divert me off course and the prize of what God has placed before me. He was basically betrayed on every side, shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, stoned. It's all about Christ. It's not about me. Hallelujah. So humility. So next thing we see about the life of Paul as he imitated Christ. Acts 20.20. And it's basically showing his integrity and his commitment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Acts twenty twenty, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. He said, I held back nothing. I gave my all. Amen? He said he did not hold back one thing that was profitable unto them. That word profitable means to produce advantages. He did not hold back one thing that would be of profit spiritually and in terms of life to those people that were under the jurisdiction of his ministry. It didn't matter that he was shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten and stoned. When he got to that shore off that shipwrecked boat and he got to those people that were willing to hear the word of God, he did not allow the shipwreck to say, I'm going to give you 75% because I'm a little beat up and discouraged right now. He gave those people 100% all the time. Amen? Just an example I give you about the church. You know, we had that thing, and I got yelled at, and then when clarification came, he's like, oh, didn't understand, apologize to me. I went into that room, 
Those people outside, the ones that walked past me, wouldn't have known that anything happened. A lot of people were like, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> I'm out of here. He apologized. Okay. I walked right in there, opened up my Bible, just opened up in prayer, taught that class. You wouldn't have known anything happened. Amen? But it's, it's a rare thing. Just, it's a rare thing this day and age to have that level of commitment. Amen? Hallelujah. To serve God or to serve that one that God has placed above you, or to continue to serve God when everything's not going the way that it seems it should go. Hallelujah. So Paul says, I gave everything. I didn't hold anything back. I didn't allow mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, disappointments, discouragements. I didn't allow uncertainty. I didn't allow, you know, the, 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 the wounds of people that, I serve with, stab me in the back, prevent me from giving 100% of what God has placed in me into your life. I'm going to impart into your life everything that was in me to give out. I'm not holding anything back, amen, in terms of my servitude or my fervency of servitude. <coughs> Excuse me. And we see example of how this, why this is important. Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. That's really a key thing in this. Paul was what we refer to as a no-nonsense driven man. Amen? He pulled no punches. He had, as I said, the issues with Gamaliel. Then he had issues with Barnabas, where they preached together for a while. Then they didn't agree, so they split for a season. Then they came back. He had a time where basically he got in Peter's face and, like, told him about being hypocritical, too. So Paul was a no-nonsense man that did not pull any punches. He gave it to you, as they say, straight, no chaser. Amen? But, regardless of what he was going through, his integrity and fervency for his mission kept him on course to fulfill his calling. And as we see here, it is that integrity, the integrity of somebody that is upright, walking under the unction of God, walking according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and in fulfillment of the assignment that God has given him, it says that that integrity alone, your willingness to yield to the Spirit of God, to walk true to the call that God has given you, it says that integrity itself will guide you. And one of the things the Lord placed on my heart is that as we evaluate ourselves, where are we in terms of being on course with God? Are we smooth sailing? And I'm not here to say that you're not going to have some obstacles here and there. Matter of fact, if you're on course, you can expect some obstacles because the devil doesn't want you to fulfill your assignment. But there's a difference between obstacles being in your path as you're fulfilling the will of God and chaos, confusion, a life that is always a mess circling around dealing with the same old stuff that has nothing to do with your call whatsoever. There's a difference between obstacles that the enemy is trying to do to in intercept the assignment of God we see that from cover and cover in the Word of God. There's a difference between that and mess. So are our lives a mess, or are we encountering things on the road 
as we are fulfilling the straight and narrow path that the Lord Jesus has set before us. Each one of us has to evaluate that. Because the thing is, if we're not being integral, true, and genuine to what God has caused us to do and how we're conducting ourselves, how we're perceiving things, or how we're doing things, that could be one of the reasons why we continue to circle around or remain stuck in the wilderness. So we need to all, amen, do that self-evaluation. And sometimes it is very hard for us to admit, I'm way off course. Sometimes God has to set up a situation where you can even yourself understand that you're off course. God came, <laughs> you know, we see in the Bible that God came in from time to time and he had to um, speak to his prophets and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, I'm here because I'm the only one left. And God's like, no, you're not. <laughs> There's 70 over that cave. There's some here. There's some there. There's times where we could get off course, and we don't know necessarily how we arrived there, but yet God is the only one sometimes that can get through and show, nah, you thought you were on course, but you missed it here. You missed it there. But the thing that is wonderful about God is that even in the midst of us getting off course, God can still send a bird, an angel, whatever he needs to fortify us, to refresh us, to dust us off, to give us clarity, and to get us back on course. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to look at Philippians 2, 17 and 18. It says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy. That word offered in the underlying Greek means to pour out as an offering. To pour out as an offering. Paul is basically saying that he has poured out his life as a drink offering unto God. Amen? He's basically like, I poured out all that is within me to the servitude of the kingdom of God. Amen? And then it actually goes a step further and makes it even clearer. The word offered not only means to pour out as an offering, but it means to devote one's life or blood as a sacrifice. So he's basically saying, I have fully devoted myself, mind, body, spirit, life, even my blood itself as a sacrifice unto my Savior. Hallelujah. So that was a level of fervency that he had. In other words, that no matter what was going on, he was going to be true to that. He wasn't going to allow anything to get him to a position where he would step back and say, you know what, this is too much for me. I can't go to distance on this one, God. He basically said, even if it costs me my life, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve God faithfully. I'm going to make it from A to Z. I'm going to fulfill the assignment that my Lord has set before us. And as we saw earlier, in terms of him being stoned, imprisoned, a lot of times shipwrecked, beaten throughout all those things, immediately upon him being released or coming out of that situation, what did he do? He went right back out on the battlefield and continued to serve God faithfully. Amen? Hallelujah. And that is a desire that God has for you and I today. There are going to be times where hardship is going to come our way, but do we have that fervency 
and that truthfulness about our faith that we're really willing to go the, the, the extra mile. We're willing to continue on and press on. And even as we saw early in the testimonies, even in the darkest hour and the tough times, confess that God is true to, to his word. God is faithful to his word. And even though everything may not be how I want it to be right now, I'm going to continue to profess things in faith. And I'm going to walk according to that as opposed to murmuring and complaining until things change. Amen. And even if things never change, I'm still going to trust God as the author and finisher of my faith that he is going to complete the work that he started in me. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to continue to serve him faithfully no matter what occurs. And once again, with the same level of integrity as well as fervency and commitment to it. So I don't just serve God faithfully on the good days. Amen. I had the same sense of fervency even on the worst days. I put myself in a situation even on the bad days that I could take my eyes off myself to meet the need of somebody else that might be going through. And I've actually seen over the years, this time where you're going through trials and tribulations and it's, it's troubling you, you may feel anxious, and it's, it's, it's such a blessing in those times where you're going through something yourself where you can help somebody else. It seems like it energizes you. It motivates you. It takes the, the anguish, the heaviness of what you're enduring off of you. I mean, there's been times where we've been lacking financially, yet we met the financial need of somebody else. And it's just something that it does to stir your heart. Amen? And God is so awesome that sometimes, <laughs> amen, hallelujah, <laughs> that sometimes you come out of yourself in that very area that you're struggling in to meet the need of somebody else. And God finds a way to not only allow you to do that, but just as he did with the loaves and the fishes, sometimes he, he blesses you supernaturally to extend you in that same area that you're lacking in. Amen? It's just like the loaves and the fishes. You're starving for food. You give somebody else food, and he sends you food. Amen? You're low on money. You give somebody else money. God brings in that money you need. It might be in the last hour, but God sends it your way. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, the next thing I want to look at, Acts 20, 21. Acts 20, 21. Next thing Paul stated is testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Testifying, and here's the key thing, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. That shows us that in, in terms of him following the attributes of Christ and being to follow him, he had the same sense of impartiality. No respect as a person. He was unprejudiced, and he was compassionate towards everybody. In other words, I don't just minister to the Gentiles, nor do I just mentor, um, minister to the Jews. I am basically open to everybody that God leads me to interact with. And I love them and have the same compassion towards them all. That's something that might be difficult for us at times as we come out of our comfort zones, but God gives us the capability through the Holy Spirit, amen, to be ministers of reconciliation, armed with the word of reconciliation to all people. But that's, that's if we're willing to come out of our comfort zones and make ourselves approachable to them, amen, and accessible to them. 
Hallelujah. We cannot define that we only minister or are available to a certain set of people. If we truly want to walk in the full attributes of God and follow him, amen, we need to be open to wherever God will send us, amen, out there on the battlefield or out there ministering to the harvest. We need to be willing to go wherever God wants us to go, amen, hallelujah. And you find a lot of times that when you're open to that, God actually exposes you to certain things that actually um, bless you in such a great fashion when you go outside of your comfort zone, especially when you're dealing with people groups or, or areas that you've never ventured into before. It actually shows you something about yourself, that in an area that you thought you were weak or ill-equipped, God now opens the door for you to walk out there in faith, and God shows you something about yourself, that in the same time that you're ministering that area that you didn't even know you had the capabilities to fulfill, God shows you that I could do more to you than you could even imagine. Amen? And he causes you to grow as you go out in that experience. You're actually ministering to them, and at the same time, you're being further equipped, amen, and energized and empowered and quickened by the Spirit of God just because you trusted him enough to say yes and go out into an area that previously was foreign to you or uncomfortable to you. So Paul was unprejudiced in terms of his ministry. He was open and accessible, as we see here, both to the Jews as well as the Greeks. It was open season to anybody that God led him to interact with. So we're going to see 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto, unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. <laughs> that just reminds me as I'm reading this final part. That I might by all means save some. Kind of reminds you of the words of Malcolm X. Amen. By all means necessary. But in this situation, instead of being countercultural or political or being uh, focused on racial things, he's basically saying that by all means, I want to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm flexible, I'm moldable. I'm adaptable, amen, that wherever God wants to send me, I'm the man for the job. I won't ever say to God, I can't go there because, or I'm unwilling to do this because. I'm not going to have the mindset like a Jonah that those people deserve judgment, so I don't want to go there. Nor will I be like Moses initially and say, because I failed among those people in the past, or I was an embarrassment, or I was a criminal, or whatever. I don't want to go back to those people because I'm not the one that can do it. Instead, he had the willingness to say, wherever you want to send me, I want to go. And we see here how he made himself accessible and approachable to all people. He says, when I was among the Jews, I flowed in such a way that I could speak the language. Amen. When I was among 
you can see the fishermen and the, and the, and the tax collectors and, and the publicans. Just everywhere he went, he says, I can adapt and make myself approachable, and I could communicate in such a way that they're at a level of comfort with me that now we can start off with an initial conversation, and then we can move it into the area where I can minister Jesus Christ and the gospel to them. Amen? Hallelujah. So God wants us to have that same kind of tolerance, flexibility, adaptability, and love and compassion for people no matter where they are, what they're about, and what their background is. We should have the same kind of fervency and love and compassion for those people. Hallelujah. And it's not about, as we see, any agenda that the individual has. He says, I do this for the gospel's sake. Amen? It's all about Jesus Christ. It's about his agenda, not my own. I do this for the gospel's sake. What does God want me to do? That's the mindset he wants us to have on a daily basis. What does God want me to do? It's not about me and my comfort level and what I feel is acceptable to me. I do this for the gospel's sake. And here's the thing. What a sign of love that this is, that I might be partaker thereof with you. I already have it. I already understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've already secured my eternal destiny. But I have compassion enough that if it's necessary to make sure all of you are partaker in the same eternal blessings that I've already achieved, I'm willing to go out and stretch myself and extend myself and inconvenience myself so that you can partake of the same eternal blessings that I've already gained. Amen? And if need be, I'll be in prison, I'll be whipped, I'll be stoned, I'll be shipwrecked. All these things are worth it just for you to experience the treasures that I've already gained. Hallelujah. Do we have that mindset, amen? Each one of us has already secured eternal death, uh, treasures in God. But do, do we have enough love for those who have not achieved it yet to say, you know what, Lord, send me. I know it's not necessarily my cup of tea. I know I've not necessarily encountered that before. But Lord, if that's what it takes, to make sure they get the thing that I've already come to realize is the most priceless thing that can ever be achieved in life. If what it takes for them to secure that is for me to get outside of my comfort zone and go into a place and make myself approachable to them, Lord, send me. I'm willing to do it because I have the pearl of great price. I have the most priceless treasure that can ever be gained. I want them to have it as well. So, Lord, I want them to be a partaker with me in the things that you have promised. Hallelujah. Book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 through 28 says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. 
Praise the Lord. God that made the world and all things therein. The Lord of heaven and earth. And he's basically, it's basically shown us here, it's not about buildings made with hands. It's not about carving out statues or different things. It's about all of us coming to the place where we recognize the king of glory, the king of heaven, amen, and worship him in spirit of truth so we can gain eternal life. And we see here that although mankind and the enemy has placed in all these restrictions and all these barriers and all these schisms between, between people so they would come to be intolerant of each other and hate each other and come against each other in a negative fashion, God himself had a plan that out of one blood he would make all of us and we will all have accessibility to eternal life. And we, amen, who have come to love Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have to be willing, once again, the same way we might go and, and, and go outside of our comfort zone in terms of social economic barriers or educational barriers or other barriers. We need to look at the area of race as well and say, I want to be approachable to people of every culture, amen? Holly, I want to truly love everybody with the same level of fervency and commitment and have the same compassion and concern, the same level of prayers for everybody that God has called me to interact with. And we cannot have the mindset or blinders over our eyes and say, my ministry is only to the people of my same race or people that grew up with the same background. Amen. We need to be flexible enough that no matter what God calls us to do and no matter what doors are open, we're willing to step in there and, and interact with people. And even as I said, sometimes through those interactions, we find that we grow even in the time that we're ministering to somebody else. Amen? Hallelujah. I truly um, have come to a place in life that sometimes those areas where it may not seem to be the best or might seem to be comfortable, you find that you grow and learn the greatest things. Amen? Hallelujah. I remember I shared before about the situation, the guy that was the son of, you know, KKK household and unsaved. I interacted with that guy. And like I said, he never came to the place where I love you people, but I don't believe everything my parents said. I was able to do that as an unsaved young man that was out there just doing my thing. Amen. How much more so as a child of God armed with the, the Holy Spirit and the power of God and with the wisdom of of the, of the word of God, how much more so should be able to speak to anybody, anywhere, anytime? It's just a matter of the willingness. Am I willing to do it? God has given us more than enough tools to be able to do it. Amen? If the enemy himself tries to bring in strong men and strongholds to try to block us from doing what God has before us, amen, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of praise, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, being temples of the Holy Ghost has given us more authority than we need to break down any stronghold, to cause any spirits that would try to negatively influence or restrict the power of God from coming forth from our lives. God has given us more than enough tools, amen, to be able to go out there and be effective ministering to people of all races and culture. So why do we not have that level of fervency and devotion that Paul had? Amen? Hallelujah. We cannot allow ourselves to be restricted. You know, the times are going, grow, getting later and later. The clock is ticking. We had to have that same fervency that Paul had to go out there and say, I want to reach people for the name of Jesus Christ. I want to do it. 
I want to be different. I want to touch lives. I want to be a person of impact. I'm tired of going through the status quo and going through the, the motions of Christianity. I want to see the power of God and the things I saw in the Word of God start to become active in my life. I want to lay hands on people and see them recover. I want to cast out spirits in the name of Jesus, see the atmosphere and, and households and communities change. I want to see the things I see in the Bible come into effect in my life. Amen? Hallelujah. We shouldn't be waiting for Jesus to break the clouds to see the power hit. We should be seeing the power hit now. Amen. Hallelujah. And God wants to use us. He wants to use each one of us. So we need to be speaking in faith and going out there and striving to be different. That's all it takes, us to have the willingness to go out there and strive to be different. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's something that we were, like I said, talking about this morning, and that's something we want to be praying. Like, we need to be different. Need to be different. Need to be different. Energetic. And we need to start out professing it out of our mouths. And even more so, before we profess it out of our mouths, this has to be a mindset that we have in our, in our heads every day. I'm a world changer, a demon chaser, a servant of the Most High God. Hallelujah. I saw part of the, um, the messenger last night, the story of, of Joan and Ark. Amen. And I truly believe after um, some of the things I've read and seen, and I know in, in movies they can get a little dramatic and turn it a little bit, but um, based upon the things I read about her life and everything, I think she was um, either a prophetess or a judge. Because for a young um, virgin girl to come up, put on armor, and basically chase the English out of a country with a minimal army, it's just, they had to be the move of God. <laughs> so I, I truly believe she was a judge. So think about that. One frail woman during a time where women weren't even warriors. And there's even a point they illustrate in the movie. Like they wouldn't receive her because she was a woman. Even though prophecy said a young virgin will come up to lead. They said one woman will lead the country into oppression. And then they said out of Lorraine, the city of Lorraine, a virgin will come out and will help free the people, a virgin woman. So she lined up with the prophecies, amen, hallelujah. But um, one person changing the nation, and all the time, no matter what they said, no matter what the odds were militarily, she said, God told me we need to do this and do this now. <laughs> they even illustrated she got shot with an arrow, and, well, pulled the arrow out, like, let's go get them in the name of God. God told us to do it. Why can't we have such fervency in this day and age? Amen. That God put me on a mission to change lives. Hallelujah. And I want to have a fervency about it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So he was compassionate, unprejudiced, and willing to sacrifice for all people. Now, the next thing we see about Paul, which is another attribute that we can adapt, is from Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And it's basically showing that he was spirit-led and trusting in God. Acts 20, 22 says, And now, behold... I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, 
not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I guess we could say he was somewhat fearless too. <laughs> or maybe he wasn't fearless, but he was at least trusting because he says, I go bound in the spirit. He basically said, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I'm not moving and living on my own. I'm truly living the scripture that says, in him I live and move and have my being. He says, I don't have a choice, even against the warnings that people are giving me of what will happen to me if I continue on in this journey. He basically says, I have no choice but to go because I am not bound by man. I'm not bound by my fears. I'm not bound by my humanity and the humanistic fleshly fear that they can kill me when I go there. He said, I am bound to the Holy Spirit to go wherever he leads me. So are we similarly led? Are we bound by the Spirit? Doing what the Holy Spirit tells us. Or are we pulling back as the Holy Spirit directs us to do something or to go somewhere? Are we totally yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit? And then he said that I don't know the things that shall befall me when I get there. But we can sense that there's a level of trust once again, he may not have been fearless, but he had a sense of trust that if the Holy Spirit is directing me to go there, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there, but I'm going to follow his leading. I'm going there. People even tried to talk him out of it. The people wept and say, don't go there, Paul, because they're going to kill you. And he said, I'm sorry. Why are you weeping? He said, I got to go where the Holy Spirit is telling me to go. No question, no debate. I appreciate your concern and love for me, but I am bound to go where the Holy Spirit is directing me to go. And we see here, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, the kind of mindset and the things that occur when we are willing to yield to this leading of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 10 through 15, Wherefore the rather, brethren, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decrease, to have these things always in remembrance. So we see here, give diligence. To make your calling and election sure. Your election is you being chosen by God, predestinated before the foundation of the world to serve Jesus Christ. Amen. To be a servant of the most high God. Think about that. You were chosen. You were elected. He could have picked anybody. He picked you and I. So it says, not as if it's a one-on-one -on -one correspondence, but since you have been elected and ordained and called by God, it says you need to give diligence to make your calling sure. Be diligent, be fervent, be committed to fulfill the call 
that he has before you. Because it says, if you do these things, you should never fail. Once again, people may do things. People may hurt your feelings. People may oppose you, belittle you, betray you. But at the end of the day, it's not about those people and all the things that they could do. As we see here, it's not saying give diligence despite those people. It says, no, give diligence. You give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Yes, there's going to be opposition. But you're the one who has to take, you know, ownership, as they say, of your life and what he's called you to do. You have to be the one that has enough boldness and confidence and enthusiasm and energy, a zeal as Paul had, to make sure your call is fulfilled despite these things. And we see here that if you do have due diligence, it says you will never fail. So they could try all they want to hinder you in your life in God. But as long as you are diligent about serving him faithfully, God's word here is promising that you can never fail in the calling upon your life. And the, thank, the thing we can be thankful about is that an entrance will be ministered unto us. You may not necessarily be ushered into every opportunity to hear. Amen. But we see here that the greatest entrance of all time will be guaranteed to you. You will be given an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, yes, they might block you from that organization, from that club, from their clique. But that's a small thing compared to the fact that I might not get into that club or I might even get kicked out of that club. But one thing I am guaranteed is that I'm going to be allowed full access to a club that I'll never be kicked out of. Amen. <laughs> the greatest club or kingdom of all time. I have an entrance that is guaranteed for me that God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Enter in. Amen. Into that entrance and God will have these eternal blessings awaiting for us. Hallelujah. So basically, Paul is not only saying that an entrance is going to be guaranteed him, but if you really look at what he's saying here, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, he's basically announcing to them, I'm going to perish soon. That's what he's saying. Shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. I'm going to die soon. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. So he's basically saying, I'm giving my due diligence to make my call and election sure. I'm not pulling back. I'm not turning off course. I'm not avoiding my destiny, he says, I'm being diligent to fulfill it. And here's the thing. This is even after the Lord showed me in advance. Oh, by the way, you continue this course, they're going to kill you. But he says, I'm still going to make my election sure because he not only showed me beforehand that I'm going to die in my commitment to this, but he also says, I'm going to get that entrance that he promised. <laughs> He says, I, in, I will endeavor that ye. He even spoke now to the people that were following him. He says, I'm going to die soon, but I'm guaranteed the entrance. But he says, hey, I, I want you all, after my decrease, after my death, that you keep the things I'm telling you now in remembrance so that you can also gain the same entrance that I'm going to be at after I die. So he's not worried about himself, in other words. He's saying, I'm making my election sure. I'm being led by the Spirit. I'm trusting in God. 
I know that the very things I'm doing are going to lead me to my death, but in my concern for you, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to die soon. Make sure you handle your business so you can join me later on. <laughs> so he let nothing discourage him from his mission in God. He said, I'm going to use all the time I have remaining to not only fulfill that call, but also to encourage others to remain faithful in their devotion to God so that they can join me one day in this same place where I'm heading. Hallelujah. And that's an awesome thing. Awesome thing. That each one of us, we have our own choice. We have our own missions. We have our own places where God is leading us. Amen. And unfortunately, at times, we have to make our own choices. <laughs> I'm saying unfortunate, not from a perspective of God, but sometimes for us, it's a hard pill to swallow where he may be taking us. There might be things we, we have to go without. There might be things we have to go through that may not seem to be good. But yet, one thing I can promise you is that even though certain things we have to deal with might be a hard pill to swallow, we are all guaranteed that same entrance into eternal things. Amen? And as they say, the blessings are out of this world. The blessings are without measure. The blessings are without limitation. <laughs> But one of the things that we might have to consider is, are we running the race as we should? Are we running at a level of 100%? I know sometimes as a child or as, even as an adult, sometimes things aren't necessarily panning out exactly how they want us, we want them to. Or it seems that they are long in waiting and praying and, and being diligent. And sometimes you get weary in your well-doing and you said, oh, well, it hasn't happened yet, and it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. So there's something subconscious in us or unconscious in us that we start to draw back. And like, well, it's not going to happen anyway, so maybe I should pull back on the throttle. But I think the thing that God is really speaking to my spirit and what he shared through Pam earlier today in, in, in um, confirming that is that he wants us to continue at 100% regardless of what we did. Amen. Hallelujah. And none of us are perfect. We all have our times where we get worn down and we feel weary and we feel like, oh, is this ever going to work out? Or will everything ever change? Amen. But he truly wants us to go at 100%. We saw Paul said a lot of times, I don't know what's going to befall me on the next leg of this journey. But even though I don't know, I'm giving God 100%. Hallelujah. So that is the, the word. That is the, the thing that God wants us to do. Give him 100%. Taste and see that the Lord is good at 100%. And some of the things that we have circled around in, and some of the things we have been trapped in, and some of the ruts that we have been stuck in, some of them might be that whether we want to admit it or not, we've pulled back on the throttle and we haven't given 100% to it. Amen? Hallelujah. So God wants us at 100%. I'm going to stop there today. We're going to continue on next week. But let's all pray and seek God because I don't think it's by accident that he placed out on my spirit and then Pam confirmed it. So let's all pray as to whether or not we have been giving him 100%. Hallelujah. In terms of our fervency, in terms of our commitment, in terms of our trust. Amen. There might be things we've been praying and we haven't fully trusted God to fulfill those things. So let's all seek God about that. Amen. Hallelujah.
Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord. You be glorified to each one of us, Father. Hallelujah. And even as we're uh, discussing the subject, Father, being followers of you, Father, have we truly allowed your principles, your presence, hallelujah, your characteristics to take full hold of us? Have we fully yielded to the process and to your sovereignty as well as uh, fully committed ourselves 100% in terms of all of our energies and all of our motivation to be completely yielded and submitted to you. I praise and thank you, Father, that that's something we sing, that's something we rehearse out of our mouths, Father, but have we truly given you that 100%? Only we truly know that outside of you, because of course you know that, but you truly know that, Father, and we may even feel that we have, Lord, but we ask you by your spirit to speak into our hearts, Father, and show us those areas where we may be lacking. Because in that lacking, Father, there may not only be things that we haven't fulfilled, but there might be certain things that have restricted us, Father, or weighed us down or blocked us off in terms of how you want to extend, hallelujah, the boundaries of our habitation. So we thank you, Father, right now that as you reveal those things to us, Father, as we would step out in faith, hallelujah, and give you our all, Father, we praise you, Lord, that you would unlock new opportunities, that you would, hallelujah, break off some of the weights and the barriers that have restricted us, that you open up windows of opportunity, Lord, hallelujah, that will take us to new depths and new horizons in you. And we praise and thank you, Father, for this. We praise you, Father, that none of us would have a, a drawback spirit, Lord, that none of us would be afraid. But even as Paul walked out in total trust, Father, not knowing what would befall him when he got there, but still trusting you to walk out in faith. We praise you, Father, that we would also have the same trust, Father, not hallelujah, trusting in self or trusting in people, hallelujah, but totally trusting you that no matter where we go, Father, your hand is upon us, and not one thing can occur that you cannot handle. I thank you, Father, even an example, Father, that Paul was stoned. Stoning is supposed to kill you the first time, but yet he was stoned multiple times. So that shows you clearly that even with man throwing weapons, holly rocks at him, trying to take his life, they could not take his life until you allowed it to happen. Paul being in prison and shipwrecked, holly, that was supposed to take his life, but yet nobody could take his life until his calling had been fulfilled and you allowed it. So we praise and thank you, Father, that nobody could take our life. No man can hinder us. No situation can hurt us. No devil, hallelujah, can even um, touch us, Father, unless you allow these things to occur. So we praise you. We thank you. We give you a glory and honor, Father, that you would show us, Father, those areas where we can give more to you. Give 100%, Father. Be full of energy and motivation, hallelujah. And we praise you, Father, as we walk in that, hallelujah, you would bless us and allow us to be a blessing. And we praise and thank you, Father, for new, new strength, new wisdom, new anointing, hallelujah, new power and authority. We thank you, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.